Today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, we're with Ruth Gaviria, Chief Marketing Officer of Elevate Prize, an organization that amplifies the impact of innovators, activists, and problem solvers to drive change together and awaken the hero in all of us. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and Founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand consultancy that taps into emotional insights and applies behavioral science to strengthen connections between brands and people. And I'm co-host Jasmine Moravi, behavioral sound scientist, passionate about quantifying how sound impacts people's emotion and understanding emotional insights that affect consumer behavior. Limbic system part of our brain supports emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. And we're both curious about how our guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. We love to speak with brand leaders who are turning emotional insight into a competitive advantage to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Thank you so much, my good friend Ruth, for being with us today. And let's talk Limbic Sparks. Great. Ruth, we are so incredibly happy that you're joining us today. And I'm just going to start with, how are you today? How are things going? Things are going great. Uh, there's a sense of optimism in the air. Uh, I, I think we are all coming out of this cocoon and people are seeing each other in person. They are touching. Talk about limbic sparks. I think that people are touching, people are hugging, they're reconnecting. Uh, I, I believe that this is uh, a tremendous time this summer for gratitude, being yeah. alive and being well. So much. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's been so great to get back together with friends and people. And as you said, you know, hug people for, again for the first time in a long time, spend time with family uh, in close proximity. It, and it's incredibly optimistic for business as well. You feeling that, Jazz? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth, I know that you um, are very passionate about the things that are important to you. And what I want to start with is what, what do you care most about in your life and career? So at this point in time, it's been, you know, your, your career is your life, right? It's, it's, you can't separate career from life. And, and for me, in this journey, it is that emotional connection. I really, really want to connect my heart with my head so that I can live a better life, that I can truly connect with joy. So in my career right now, I am very fortunate to be able to work with people that are doing good in the world. They're doing good in the world. And my job is to make sure that they're visible and that with that visibility, people can then take an action. So for the first time in my career, it's really, really purpose-driven work. And it's yeah. very, very exciting and moving for me. Oh, that, it's, it's incredible. And we've talked a bit about that. And we're going to talk a lot more about the work you're doing a little bit later in this discussion. And I can't wait to hear more about it. In, right now, one of the other things that I want to ask you about is as you think about the relationships that you have with people, whether they're your work colleagues or your family or your close friends, what, what do you say are the things that you value most in those relationships? Seeing the positive. I think that we as human beings can be very judgmental, very critical, mm -hmm. and we, the, we start looking at what's wrong. I am really intentionally working on seeing what the gift of these people in my life 
what, what gifts they bring me so that I can step up and also bring gifts. What I mean by that, it's really easy to get into the pettiness of day-to-day -day life, pettiness of corporations. It's a lot harder to take a, a bigger view and see where you yourself are growing as a human being. Mm -hmm. So when I get into judgment, when I get into criticism, I really now know that that's just a little thing in my brain that's saying, step back, you need to look at the bigger picture. And I am doing that. It's hard work, by the way, this is not easy work. So I'm combining what I'm doing in my personal life with meditation and you know healing with what I am doing at work. It, it is so personal and, and, and I know you and I know that's the way you live your life and I'm always inspired by the way you approach things. So I, I wanna talk about a different type of relationship now as well. We, we're very interested, of course, in relationships with brands. So there are many brands that you've had in your life, some, some new entrants, some that have been around for a long time. Can you talk about a brand or a product that you've had a strong connection with for a really long time and maybe what you think that brand has done well over the years to keep you a part of its circle? So there are many brands, but two that come to mind are Trader Joe's hmm. and Apple. Okay, so, and Apple can be viewed as the enemy, but in my life, Apple has been my friend. So let's talk about Trader Joe's. There's such an emotional connection because when I discovered Trader Joe's many, many, many decades ago, I lived in California. And I had just met my husband. So I equate love and Trader Joe's because I met both of them at the same time. Not to be, you know, you actually need to see where in your life were you? Where were you when you met that brand, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in this beautiful, you know, puppy love space. I went into Trader Joe's. And I looked at the aisles, I looked at the prices and I'm like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> you mean you have organic nuts <laughs> and you have rice that I can just put in, in, in the microwave for three minutes and it's organic and brown? Life is pretty freaking good. And when you go into it, and it's really about the experience, right? For me, the emotional connection is no matter what Trader Joe's I go to, I, I start at the checkout and that person is wearing a, high, wearing a Hawaiian shirt and is asking me genuinely, hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, you brought your own bags? Girl, you rock. I'm a consumer for life. That's unbelievable. I love Trader Joe's as well. Um, I actually, uh, an article I just published in Branding Mag, it has a whole section on Trader Joe's. Um, it's just um, such a great brand and they have such, as you're saying right now, such attention to detail and brand aesthetic and customer experience and product quality. It's a really, it's a really great example. And I'm, um, I'm glad to hear you talking about it. And Apple, you know, I can put Apple and GoDaddy in that same bucket because I love GoDaddy. Mm -hmm. I would say I love GoDaddy more than I love Apple right now. Apple's uh, customer service has uh, eroded in the last post-pandemic. It has eroded, but this whole notion that you're not alone. Yeah. This whole notion that if you don't understand the technical issue, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. 
So what these brands do emotionally for me, they create resilience within me. Mm. I, 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 I become more comfortable with discomfort and I believe I can solve the problem with them. So with these two brands, and I think that's really, really important because I, I've talked to parents about this. Apple is a great first computer because your kid can problem solve and feel empowered. Same thing with GoDaddy. Awesome examples. <laughs> that is great examples, uh, Ruth. But uh, coming from Europe and Sweden, uh, the first brand, I actually don't know about it. Is it like a supermarket or is it like, explain it a little bit just for me. Uh, Trader Joe's? Yes. Okay, so Trader Joe's has been around for a few decades and it's a co-op. And what they did is they bought in bulk really carefully curated organic and good for you foods mm -hmm. okay. they have great coffee they have great vegetables but not all the vegetables that you see in grocery stores they have the ones that are seasonal mm. okay so they buy in bulk uh the seasonal stuff which is so good for your immune system anyway so and they wanted to make sure that it wasn't about a relationship with, uh, with the growers alone. They wanted to connect the growers with the consumer. Very interesting. And they did it in a beautiful way. And they created this experience that, I mean, Kevin is describing the same experience uh, I, I, I'm describing. So, you know, a very consistent experience. And talking about you and Kevin, I know that you guys uh, know each other very well. And we just recently met and I would like to go a bit deeper to a sense uh, of understanding uh, what you're all about. And now we talked about brands that uh, you feel a connection with. Now I want you to describe yourself to me, but do so by only naming three to five brands and why they paint a picture of you. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're going to get to know more about me than I really want you to know. Point. <laughs> Bring it okay, on. Fine. Okay. Uh, my makeup, only Chantakai, is not cheap. But man, that, that, that just, you know, makes me feel awesome. And they're, so Chantakai is one of, of my, my brands. Um, West Elm, and I buy my furniture from there. I feel I'm getting great, great furniture and at a pretty good price. So that's another brand that is the part of, of, of my life. Um, but, but if they would describe you as a person, let's see it more like that. Brands that would describe you as a person that you are, your personality, your, so on. Well, Shantikai describes me as a very choosy consumer, <laughs> <laughs> very informed consumer that cares about the way I look, mm -hmm. that is fighting aging with every single inch of my being, boys and girls. <laughs> so you, you Google Chantika, it's like, oh my God, this woman is having a midlife crisis. It absolutely needs to look good. And she does not want wrinkles anywhere near her. So that is that is 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 that personal enough? Yes, it is. Can't get deeper than that. <laughs> and the furniture one? How does that describe you? So 
I'm a Capricorn. So you're now getting into, into, into my juju here. <laughs> I am about beautiful aesthetics at a very good price. And, mm. and, and I'm, a, I'm an excellent shopper. You, 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 you know, when you, you Raymond in, in, in Rain Man, I'm an excellent driver. Yeah. I'm an excellent shopper. <laughs> I'm an excellent shopper. Um, Rain Man and um, uh, Forrest Gump are my favorite movies, by the way. Hmm. So if you wanted to look at me as a consumer, what I am going to cry about, what I am going to connect with is that. Hmm. It's that vulnerability, that absolute, you're naked. What else? Uh, my coffee? I mean, I'm Colombian. Coffee is really important to me. <laughs> and I discovered Vermont coffee. They're oh. not doing bad. Yeah. Pretty good. They figure out how to get the acid out and not compromise the taste. Why is that important to me? It makes me feel Colombian. And that's mm -hmm. part of my mojo. Earlier you were talking about like uh, GoDaddy and Amazon about having this amazing customer support that I, I agree with you. Like I feel the same, like, okay, a company can't be perfect, but if I have a problem, I want somebody to be there, listen to me instantly on chat to solving it. So we've all had a bad brand experience. Then I want to know uh, about a brand ex bad brand experience that you had recently. And you don't need to name the brand. Just what about the experience that was so bad? So I didn't mention Amazon. I have a love-hate relationship. You said Amazon? Oh, I thought you I've heard Amazon. No, I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. So gotcha. we're going to park that as a love-hate relationship. <laughs> Um, first of all, any 800 number from the government or any 800 number from AT&T or Verizon is enough for you to want to move to Canada. Okay, so, so, so that in and of itself, and isn't it sad, is they can, they can um, have all the technology possible, they can create as many towers and then a customer experience where you're waiting for 45 minutes and you are not getting an answer or you get disconnected. What a missed opportunity. And I think that that is Verizon. AT&T is a little bit better than that, but not by much. And I would say that that hurts their brand significantly. But I don't want to talk about those two bad brand experiences. I want to talk to you about Microsoft. And I don't mind mentioning the brands. When you try to call Microsoft to troubleshoot Teams, to troubleshoot Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, you have just gone to Mars. You have not connected with the same language. You're somewhere in some country where somebody is almost a robot and has no idea what you're experiencing. And I have figured out why that is so upsetting to me. No understanding for my problem and no empathy. Because when they say, I am so sorry you feel that way. I am so sorry you're experiencing that. It's not real. It's mm -hmm. not coming from somebody's heart. It's, it's not. It's a script. It's, it's a, a script. script. Yeah, I've, I've had right. that experience. <laughs> right. And then you go to GoDaddy. The dude that's helping me is like, oh, man, that sucks. Let me see if I can help you with that. And, mm -hmm. and he is all of a sudden a real person who is connecting with my heart is trying to calm me down 
and knows that he can solve the problem with me. Mm. That's the difference. So uh, for me, if I were to wrap this up, brands that go the extra mile to understand how a customer feels about their brand when things are not going right. That is the proof in the pudding. Hmm. If a brand takes that extra mile to understand the consumer experience when things are not going well, and they're able to show up and help solve that problem, that's how you build a business. So Ruth, would you say in those experiences there are limbic sparks? Well, I'm Latina. Did I spark enough? Yes. There are good sparks and then there are really bad sparks. Yes. Excellent. That's that's what we're going for. <laughs> uh, I'm going to shift this conversation a little bit right now because you've revealed so much about yourself through the brands that you love and hate. And we're going to move on to um, how it all applies to the way you think and work as a, as a CMO. Um, there's so much that you bring of yourself into the roles that you play. And I'm curious how these personal experiences that you have uh, impact the way you approach your role as a CMO at, at, at any of the roles that you've had recently. Oh, thank you for that question and, and for that compliment, uh, Kevin. And it goes without saying that in the brands that I've worked with you, you have been a tremendous partner to me. You've been a tremendous partner when things have gotten tough. And I am going back to our Univision days, to our Sonic branding days. We have done some pretty major work in service of great communities. So um, Thank you. for me, yeah, yes, absolutely. So for me, the, the, the important part in my job, what I bring to the party is empathy. I really want to understand the customer journey inside out. I believe that brands are built from the inside out. And I am in a startup right now. I know what a startup means. I know the fears involved with a startup. I know the, I, 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 I understand that. So for, for me, in my job is crucial to understand the emotional state of all the individuals and to actually use that to create. You can actually use fear to create because if you're able to transmute fear into possibility, fear into curiosity, fear into maybe one baby step, it makes a huge difference. Many times a marketing campaign, a brand identity positioning comes out of nowhere. It, 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 it codifies from a person you didn't even think that they should be doing an intake. It's, it's, and I love that part of your process where you really go deep into understanding all the players involved. And part of what you just described was understanding the stakeholders in your organization. And you are a master navigator of organization to create change. Um, how do the insights that you gather around your customers, the audiences that you're trying to reach, the emotional insights around them, the empathy that you bring for the customer help you move things forward internally. So many times that's a step that is actually not done or skipped. Many yeah. times we are creating, I would say in a vacuum because we're enamored of our idea. We're enamored of our brand 
we're enamored of our product. Have we stopped to think how that product makes people feel? How that product makes people's life easier, better, or how that product makes somebody more confident, right? So when I do my process, I put people on the spot. How do you wanna make that customer feel? How do you really wanna make them feel? And are you prepared to deliver on that promise? And that's where the rubber meets the road. Because if you wanna have a customer feel joy and you don't have a customer service department, if you want that customer to promote your product and be an ambassador for your product and the product has no connection to you emotionally, if I were a, a sneaker, make sure that the website tells you about why the sneaker works better for your back, for your knees, if you have knee problems. Make sure that if there's a meetup somewhere where you can start exercising, that they give you that information. It's all of those extra miles that brands must, must really take because, and this is your process, Kevin. You have to go from thinking to feeling, to doing, to being. There is no shortcut. You think something, you feel it, you begin doing, and then you be become. I love it. And you joined um, Elevate Prize as CMO about a year and a half ago, give or take. Yeah. And I, I'd love for you to describe a bit what you came in to do there and how you're applying this focus to your work. My practice is I lead brand development, communications and marketing. When I arrived, there wasn't even a website. No branding had occurred. There was no positioning. There was no codified purpose, mission, vision, values, voice. So we started at the beginning and people were rushed. We were being rushed to create a website without vision, mission, values, voice, and personality. Like. I can't create out of ether. So my first order of business was to get all of the, bo the board members, the staff galvanized around what are the ideas we have. And in my process, you know, we arrived at a beautiful, the, the, a, a beautiful, you know, vision to elevate human consciousness on a global scale and a mission to really amplify the work of these social heroes and inspire others to take an action. And that became very clear. Our voice is very accessible. And I think one of the things that you do in Limbic Sparks is what you say and how you say it matters. We are tackling in our organization with 15 people that we are supporting, 15 organizations, really tough issues. If you are able to discuss these tough issues with a glimmer of hope and positivity, you are gonna get a lot further with an audience than you say, oh, we're doomed. The environment, we don't know what's gonna happen. Life is pretty tough. You stay in that emotional state you're not able to create from there. Yeah. You're not able to see possibilities. So my job is to ensure that those messages give the opening for possibility. 
so that we can all contribute to the solution. Yeah, and I know that I, I know that one of the phrases that you use uh, or, or sayings that you use is, is around igniting this chain reaction of goodness on a global scale and bringing in the idea of inspiring people to act. So how do you go from, how do you inspire people to act? How do you go from them feeling something and actually acting on those instincts? Oh, because you have to show them how. So we just launched a brand called Elevate Giving. Brand that I was very skeptical about. I'll be very, very honest because it's a complicated concept. The concept was you join this Zoom call in the middle of the summer and you gather with people around the world, you evaluate three nonprofits and you choose what nonprofit you're going to support. The organization is gonna give you know, a total of $75,000 and you are, if you want to, you can contribute. What has happened with this little engine that could, with this little program is, is that people are ready to understand how philanthropy works. If you make philanthropy, meaning giving of yourself to others, beyond a like, beyond a post, actually taking action in your community, get informed about a certain issue. And we're called forth to do that, by the way. This world's not gonna get better if we're not all galvanizing around issues that need solving. So this program allows for that. And it's been, it is getting successful and we're getting traction. We want to be able to get Elevate Giving into corporations, create a kit where people critically, critically evaluate three organizations. As a team, decide which one they're going to support and that get into the business of that. And part of that process is values alignment. Mm. So important. And I'm going to go there right now. I, I wanted to ask you about values because I know that uh, you are a champion of strong corporate values and that to, the, to you, those are the foundations of how a business comes to life. So can you talk about an experience or whether it's Elevate Prize or something else, how do strong corporate values that you set up at the beginning of your process turn into action and impact not only the company's direction, but the brand experience? I love that question. So. Um, but you know, I would love that question. So values have to be lived internally as well as externally. We have two values that seem innocuous at the beginning, but they're pretty hard to, to live right now. And they came from all the intakes that we did. And, and, and Kevin, you and I have worked together. We know exactly how to do this. And Jazz, I'm sure that, you know, you have some process like that as well. Nice. Two of our values are radical diversity and global collaboration. They sound awesome. Are we living them? Radical diversity means internally that people that come from philanthropy are working with people that work from corporate. That has been hard. I, my team is corporate, you know, balls to the wall, you know, punchlines, getting things done. And philanthropy is like, wait a minute, is that the right thing to do? I'm like, come on, we need to get this done. That collaboration 
has really resulted in a better product, a better customer journey, but it has been hard. So it's not only about picking people uh, to give them a price that are of different colors or different uh, walks of life. It is really about understanding that everybody comes from a different place and to honor that. So we're getting our feet, we're getting our wheels greased with this. Yeah. Right. And in global collaboration, it's a, an intentional work. We're picking partners that are from all over the world, even though it's tougher. We're making sure that those teams are diverse so that we can then show up with the best ideas. Fantastic. We're living our values internally and externally. It's the only way to do it. And it has such an incredible impact on how an organization moves forward and what a customer feels. I can't imagine it. I can't understand how organizations don't do that in the way that you're describing. It's really something. An opportunity for all of us to help them. Yeah, it is. Another thing I wanna know about companies not doing is that as far as you have explained for us uh, that emotional branding is super essential uh, while building a brand. So then I wanna know, tell us, why do you think that brands are still neglecting the power of emotion, that emotional insights in their approach to growing business then? Because in the before days, because in the past, it was enough to have a product and a value proposition. Mm. I have a product and it works. And it's easier than Samsung making it up. If there isn't an emotional connection, your longevity with that product, you might be buying it once, you don't buy it twice. New brands, by and large, don't understand that. Brands that have been around, that have spoken to consumers, that have taken the time to understand the customer journey, need to know that that emotional connection and that relationship. See, at the end of the day, you are in a relationship with a brand. A brand is in a relationship with a consumer. That relationship can go up and down, but when the going gets tough, does that relationship stand the, 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 it can stand the, the, the test of time? And when you look at brands that actually take the time to emotionally connect with their consumers and understand what makes them tick, they have the longevity. Mm. 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 So that is your practices on how brands out there can, can create these limbic sparks. Without limbic sparks, you have a very limited opportunity. If you are not connecting to the seat of consciousness in your brain, and you're not building a neural pathway between yourself and a brand, it's a short-lived relationship. So why not understand what that relationship's potential is, understand what are the milestones in that relationship that need to occur, and actually deliver on that. Your and business how, is going to be longer. And how can they understand that? Is it by, by, by doing market research, by measuring the brains of the customers? What is it so, like? What, what, what I, I, I think is so funny that there are so many brand and corporate people that never take the time to talk to the consumer. Mm. 
that never have an opportunity. And sometimes the people that are responsible for the brand are just executing what people up here are telling them to execute. I'm curious, Ruth, um, we've talked about so many things and you are so um, centered in how you approach things and the values that you bring into your work. What is it that, you know, what is the key thing that you know now that's part of who you are and how you approach your, your role that you wish you knew years ago and it just took you too long to figure out? Two things, self-worth and self-confidence. Man, if I knew then that I was enough, I was enough. If I knew then that what I knew was good and solid, and I did not second guess myself so much, and I did not suffer so much at the beginning, I, I, I believe it would have been a different experience for me at the beginning. It would have probably yielded results faster. So I, I invite all of us to get centered in the fact that we are enough. We are enough. And that confidence just comes from doing and that making mistakes is, is okay. Hmm. Because we can turn mistakes into wisdom. So it's that win-win. Incredible. I love chatting with you, Ruth, always. Thank you so much for joining Jasmine and I on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. And uh, we are just so happy you were able to be here with us today. Your limbic brain hearts my limbic brain. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank you so much. much. Thank you. Thank you Thank guys you. for having me. For more, go to limbicsparks.com. Mm -hmm.